from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, typically I'm the first one up. I, you know, take care of the kids, get them fed, get them off to school, take them to their activities while I would let Laura rest. Uh, But not on December 5th. She woke up pain-free, and because of that, we did something that we hadn't hadn't done in a long time, which was we sat down and we had a family breakfast. It was a day that, that stuck with me, particularly after she had passed away. And I started, um, I started reflecting not only just on that day, but what I wanted to do with my life at the time. I'm Sarah Fenske. For the past five years, a fledgling organization has quietly helped St. Louis families as they deal with the ravages of cancer. The December 5th Fund was founded five years ago this month by Tom Wiley. Tom left a long career in advertising and marketing after losing his wife to cancer and feeling inspired to help alleviate the burdens felt by families like his own. The December 5th Fund has now helped 60 families across the metro. And joining us now with more on its work is founder Tom Wiley. Tom, welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Tom, you named your organization after a very specific day, not the day of its founding, a different day. This was December 5th of 2015. Take us back. What made that day so memorable? So on December 5th of 2015, uh, probably right around 6 a.m., I woke up and I noticed that uh, Laura, my late wife, was uh, getting out of bed. And at the time, I, you know, I thought that she was just going to go to the bathroom. So I closed my eyes and I fell back asleep. And surprisingly, I didn't wake up for another two hours, which in itself uh, was uncommon in our house at that time, particularly with a, you know, a cancer diagnosis and someone going through cancer. You know, typically I'm the first one up. I, you know, take care of the kids, get them fed, get them off to school, mm-hmm. take them to their activities while I would let Laura rest. Uh, but not on December 5th. You know, I fell asleep and I woke up a couple hours later and I immediately smelled pancakes. Again, something that wasn't a common occurrence in our home. You know, uh, breakfast was usually uh, cereal. Yeah. You know, just uh, something quick for the kids. So I got up, I walked into the dining room, and there were my children just uh, sitting there, just on their iPads, coloring. And Laura was in the kitchen. And the first thing she told me was, how great she felt, how she was pain-free. And that was very unusual for that time. Extremely. She had spent uh, most of October and November in, in bed mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, cancer at that point had metastasized to her bones, and she was in considerable amount of pain, so she mm-hmm. couldn't walk. But not on December 5th. Yeah. You know, she, she woke up pain-free, and because of that, we did something that we hadn't, we hadn't done in a long time, which was we sat down and we had – a family breakfast. You know, we sat down as a family and we just talked. You know, we, you know, we just kind of caught up in the cancer diagnosis or everything we had gone through was not at the forefront of our conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of that, everything just kind of felt normal. And it, I knew that was special. And I, I really, at that point, didn't have like any idea of like what else was in store for that day. Uh, but we, uh, after breakfast, we ended up putting up Christmas decorations mm. and I was downstairs just getting more decorations when I hear all this noise. 
And again, with a cancer diagnosis, uh, noise is not necessarily a good thing in a house when someone's trying to rest. And the first thing I thought was, I need to scream up there to tell the kids to keep it down. But then I remembered that, you know, Laura was having a good day. So I walk up the steps and I turn the corner and there they are. They're dancing, all of them. You know? Wow. And it was, it was a sight to see. And I knew, I knew at that moment that's something that I needed to really just kind of take in and just absorb because I knew that was pretty special. I knew we were probably going to have a lot of moments like that. And I just stood there and I just watched them. Mm-hmm. I watched them dance. You know, we, we put up Christmas decorations. Um, you know, I got a lot of stuff done around the house that day because I didn't have to watch the kids. You know, that night we went out to dinner with friends. Mm. We saw the lights at Tillis Park. We walked around the mall and saw Santa. Again, walking really wasn't quite, uh, you know, a luxury that we had at that time. And um, there wasn't really one thing that defined that day. It was just a series of those small little moments that made it so special. It was just a really good day. It was. It was was an amazing day. And, you know, sadly, we we didn't have a day like that. following day, Laura spent it entirely in bed. Uh, her health actually rapidly declined, and she passed away about a month and a half after that. Ugh, so and this didn't mean things were turning around. This was just no. this this weird and wonderful yes. exception. It was a it was a true blessing. Yeah. And it was just it was a day that that stuck with me, particularly after she had passed away. And I started. Um, I started reflecting not only just on that day, but what I wanted to do with my life at the time. You know, being in advertising and marketing for 20 years, uh, while I did find it fulfilling, it wasn't. Uh, there were just a lot of things that wasn't uh, filling up. I guess is probably the best way to put it. So I realized I wanted to do something different, and I started going back to that day and how special it was to my family. And then I started thinking about how amazing our community was during that whole diagnosis and how they would just show up to our home and they would mow the lawn, they would do grocery uh, shopping for us, they would clean our home without even asking. You know, I still have photos of that that I took because it just, I knew it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a common occurrence. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about that too. And so that's where I came up with the idea of the December 5th Fund, which was or is to give families whose lives are affected by cancer just a, a day full of memories of whatever they want to do, we make it happen for that family. And then while they're out enjoying this amazing day, you know, we send a team of volunteers, 30, 40, 50, 60 people back to their home, and we take care of all those chores that get ignored while you're caring for someone with cancer. This House is just cleaning. a whirlwind yes. of yes. getting things back to the way they should be. Yes, and the family doesn't typically know that we're at their house when we're when we're doing these makeovers or cleaning the house. Uh, so when they come home, they don't come home to a to-do list. You know, they come home to the stress-free environment, and it's you know it's no longer uh, it's no longer a burden for them. You know, like that laundry piles up. You know, the the dishes don't get done. The house doesn't get cleaned. And it just adds stress to an already stressful situation. So when when us as a, as an organization and as a, with our volunteers as a community, when we come into that home, we take care of all of that for them, and it's uh, it's it's truly a beautiful sight. And so. you're doing this without their permission. You said they don't know you're coming. So. It, 
Not entirely, I guess is probably like the best way to put it. One family member I, gives permission. Because yeah, I'm sure that yes, one family member, one family like, member gives. Gotta make sure that uh, yes, this is okay. Yes. Um, so we uh, we typically have a primary point of contact, and that is either a family member or a close friend, and they they give us access to the home early on during the nomination phase, and we go and we do a complete property review. Mm. Uh, there are times where we go to the home, and uh, the the family's actually there. But typically, I just tell them I'm part of a landscaping company that people chipped in to, like, you know, like to do some work around the house. They don't realize the extent. Yeah, the, yes, of, exactly. Of what's gonna hit they them? They don't realize the extent. They don't realize that you know all these photos we're taking and all these notes we're taking are essentially telling us one how many volunteers we need to do uh, we need to have, but also how much work needs to be done on that day. So then we pull all that information together. And uh, we have a planning session, but then we organize all of our volunteers and uh, we uh, we go from there. So this is like extreme home makeover. I mean, you guys yes. are like, like yes. getting everything done. And what is the family out doing while you're doing all that? So some examples of things that we've done, we've rented out entire movie theaters uh, for families, like private showings. Like we showed The Wizard of Oz for one family. Mm-hmm. You know, they got popcorn and soft drinks and things like that. And this was like a favorite movie for yes. this family. Yeah, favorite mm-hmm. movie movie. Another family, they really enjoyed, uh, you know, like dining out, you know, they were foodies. So we had a private chef uh, come to actually to their home and uh, prepare a five course uh, meal like in their home. Uh, Actually, a very well known uh, chef here in in St. Louis. And he did a he did an amazing job. Uh, We've also we've sent them to like all inclusive sporting events, uh, you know, like uh, just all the family friendly, family friendly stuff, essentially, yeah. uh, whatever they want to do. So every family's experience is unique, you know, and that's one of the things we learned during the planning process is what what was this? What was life like pre cancer diagnosis? You know, what was a night out for mom and dad or what did what did the children like to do? And that's how we that's how we build our experiences. So you can't necessarily schedule this for like that one good day that that comes out of nowhere for someone suffering from cancer. Are you able to find that even for the person who's who's dealing with cancer, that this day just really feels like a good boost? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we one of the things with uh, with our programming is, you know, we serve um, any sort of uh, stage, I guess you'd say, of cancer, either, you know, from early, you know, early diagnosis to terminal, you know, and we've had, we've had families that, you know, they, they go into remission and have a, uh, you know, have just are living a great life right now. Uh, we've also had families where we've given them their great day and their loved one literally passes away a week later, mm-hmm. um, you know, but they, their their loved one has that boost, you know, that where that boost of energy where they can go and, you know, experience everything that we give them and then come home and see what we did that house. You know, so it's uh, those are the ones that are really uh, that are really special, too. So this just sounds amazing. I mean, do you just have people lining up? Everybody wants to sign up somebody they yes. know to use your services. Yes. So we 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 have what you would call uh, a busy season and then a not so busy season. Like right now, because uh, snow that does make our volunteer efforts a little difficult, uh, you know, to do because it's it's cold and everything. But usually by January, February, the nominations are rolling in, and then we have to plan like our basically our entire year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what that looks like, because we have to, when we're in, when we're, we're in our planning session with a family, our planning for a family, we, we identify probably like eight dates. 
And we, we text, we're not text that, but we email that to our primary point of contact and say, these are the dates we're targeting. Let us know what works for you. So then we take those dates that they are that date that they choose. And we kind of work that into our schedule for the year. So, you know, some families, you know, you have to, you have to plan, you know, with 30 days in advance and really get moving. You know, all the ones you typically have about 45 to 60 days to plan. Yeah. So. Well, it sounds so cool. I mean, you're getting to just give people that day. And I understand you have a milestone coming yes. up this weekend. This is going to be your first time across the river. It is. It is. So a couple uh, a couple milestones, actually, which we can get into, uh, you know, both of them. So December 17th of 2016 was when we helped our first family in Missouri, which was uh, out in Washington, Missouri. That in itself is just an amazing story. We were uh, we were dealt with a winter weather warning for that entire weekend. Oof. Ice everywhere. And this is our first family. And I was obviously freaking out. Like, are we going to be able to do this? This family's an hour away. You know, what's going to happen? Uh, sure enough, uh, about seven o'clock a.m., the temperature rise just above freezing, and we were uh, we were blessed with a window of about six hours where the ice melted. Uh, we got our we got our work done, and by the time we got back to St. Louis, our cars were covered in ice. So, so it was like that one great uh, shift in yes. the middle of the, the yes. ice storm. And the fact that this happened on our first family ever was just absolutely amazing. And now, fast forward to five years later. We are helping our first family, actually giving the experience to our first family in Illinois, uh, where we're, that's where we're looking to expand our services right now into Southern Illinois, obviously to expand our reach and also to, to help as many families as we can as possible. And maybe bring in volunteers yes. uh, to do projects there. Yes. Have. So we will we will build our, uh, our volunteer core over in Southern Illinois. You know, we started with 30 volunteers in St. Louis back on December 17th of 2016 of my family and friends. And now we're at over 500 volunteers. So we look to do the same in Southern Illinois as well. So I imagine people are listening to this thinking, man, this is something cool that I'd like to volunteer for. Is it when you're committing, are you committing to doing this every time or you're committing no. to showing up when you can yeah you're committing to showing up when you can you know this uh the volunteer effort it is we have volunteers that come to us and say it's it's life-changing you know it one it puts a lot of things into perspective it you know it makes them realize not to sweat the small stuff in their lives like if they're you know the refrigerator breaks down it's not the end of the world there's things out there that are a lot worse but it it allows them to get a glimpse into these families' lives to see what they're going through and they have an immediate um, you know, what they do immediately helps this family, you know, and it makes an immediate impact in their lives. And it not only changes the family's lives, but it also changes the volunteers' lives. That's so cool. Well, if people want to check this out and see how to get involved themselves, you can go to December5th.org for more information about how to do that. And and Tom, in our final minute and a half here, um, thinking about you, you left your job, you know, you were doing marketing, advertising, stuff like that, and now you're running this nonprofit. Such a different world. How it do is. you feel about that jump, that change you made? Well, you know, I, I love it. You know, like I said, uh, I was looking for something with meaning, something with purpose. And every day I wake up and it's not like I have to go to work. It's because I, I love what I do. And I know that whatever I do today is going to make a difference down the road for someone, whether it's a, it's, a, it's a family that we're helping or even a volunteer that connects with us. And then, you know, they end up doing something good for other people as well. 
So you've given now 60 great days. Yes. Looking ahead, you know, where do you want to be five years from now? Well, five years from now, we actually, we one of our goals is to have a chapter outside of St. Louis and Southern Illinois, mm. you know, to be able to do this in other cities, you know, because we've had requests. We get nominations all the time that come in from out of, out of state. And we want to be able to do this in... Um, in other states, you know, all because of just one day, one great day back in December of 2015 has now provided so much hope, inspiration, and love to so many families that it's uh, it's pretty amazing just to see that that ripple effect. Well, it's been great to hear about this, and it's so good to see how well you and your family are oh, doing thank today. You. Thank you. Um, just what a wonderful story. Tom Wiley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Tom is the founder of the December 5th Fund. You can see December5th.org for more information. We have one more note for you today. This fall semester, we've kept an eye on the choir at St. Louis's Sumner High School, the first choir the school has had in a couple decades. Our producer, Evie Hemphill, was at their first concert last week. She was blown away. In addition to the new choir, the drama, piano, and dance students at Sumner really wowed the Winter Showcase crowd. They wrote and presented what felt almost like a Broadway musical about last year's fight to keep Sumner open. The musical numbers had backing from no less than members of the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. Sumner student Stefan Riggins gave a spoken word presentation and truly stole the show. Here are a few highlights. From the county, moved to a residence in the city, went to Sumner High School, western of Mississippi. Walked into the building, a man pulled me aside and said, Better make the right moves before your eyes do shut because the guys who come here got a record of ending quickly. And those who are relevant become empty. Who was popping names soon forgotten, washed away in history. Students like animals in the cage, they names never engraved. They either in graves or in the penitentiary. I looked at it like that was propaganda. Uncle went to Sumner too. The boxer had a lot of answers about the change and how Sumner became the way it is. And how before, those that came from here, they usually made it big. I never thought in a million years I'd be saving it. He said, would you pay attention? It'll start making sense. Gotta always stay consistent, was never made to quit. Your father raised the prince. As he spoke, he pulled me closer. He said, listen to me, Jeff. You can't save this school unless you put in work and give your best. When they talk about success, they look for a house on hills. On this greatness, now they say it. What good can come out to feel? What? <laughs> Like a rose in the concrete, I suppose. Right before we brought awareness, they was trying to close. 
Again, that was Sumner student Stefan Riggins and other performing arts students in front of an enthusiastic crowd last week for Sumner High's Winter Showcase. This episode was produced by Evie Hemphill with audio engineering by Aaron Dorr and production assistance from Jane Mather-Glass. It was mixed and edited by Jane. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.